What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode and wonderful edition of Teddy's favorite thing to say every single week. What is it, Teddy? We can't stop snapping. We've got a very exciting episode today being able to break down who was heralded as the savior of Loki. Mobius, is he the meta-breaking, redefining god that everybody was hyping him up to be? And then we have a slew of brand new balance updates that are even giving us a foretaste. They lead straight into things that are to come. So I think that these are going to be very fun to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Mobius is super cool. And you know what? What? We'll get into the spicy stuff that we're seeing changes coming, and uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments. Let's get into uh, Mobius. Oh, and by the way, we are, I don't want to say new and improved, but we, we got a little bit of a makeover, uh, a little, little tiny bit of one. Um, Credit where it's yeah, so, due. This is Brad working on these. Yeah, so I uh, my girlfriend is actually a graphic designer. That's her degree. Uh, that's her whole thing. And her specialty in graphic design is actually in advertisements and branding. That is her specialty. And I was talking to her. I'm like, I kind of want to do something different with, you know, Can't Stop Snapping. I know Michael did what he could and just threw it together. Um, it's very generic. And I want to kind of stay true to that and, like, the vibe, like, the color scheme. But I want to give it a little bit of, like, a, you know, that fresh layer of paint, right? And I was talking about, like, things I saw online of, like, a Fiverr. And she straight up said, nope, I'm doing it. I wanted to get done right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I let her I let her do it and I was like uh, the we kind of landed on the pixelized idea of like, you know, the can't stop snapping. Uh took the gauntlet uh for the snap logo. Like I I think it turned out really awesome. We have some I think more it's stuff really awesome. coming with it soon. Uh like uh, some sprite versions of you and myself, Teddy, that we'll have available as well. Um ah, so Team Teddy <laughs> grows stronger. Yes, so we'll get to do all that. So yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, I, could, I guess I could do that as the weekly um, Q&A thing for Spotify. So let us know what you think of the slight rebrand or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, Mobius. Teddy, I don't even need to ask you. I know you got him. There's no yep. way you didn't get him. There's no way you, I didn't get him. He we was both heralded as the must-buy. Um, do, do you agree if anybody has been like holding out are you going to say you must buy or do you think that they could they could roll without? Ooh. Um I think you have to lean a bit more into the must buy just for the simple fact that even if it does end up being like a Luke Cage type of card, right? Where you it sees, you know, it sees play, but it's not yeah. in every single deck, right? You want some type of synergy with it or whatever. I could easily foresee it becoming a blanket, just like you. It's like Jeff, you throw it in. But if it leans more towards the Luke Cage kind of thing, just Mobius and Wave is a very good little package to have. Yes. And a lot of decks will like that, uh, especially Silky Smooth, which is already running Wave as of late to get uh, leverage for Eliath and Doom in the late game. And now being able to do that alongside a Silk or a Jeff or, you know, whatever, like a Craven late, just an extra two drop, right? Um, or the Kitty really, was what they what they had been doing. You can, like, yeah. a lot of the Silky Smooth deck, it was born with Kitty, Angela as a package. It morphed into having a Wave, a Lyoth Wave Doctor Doom finisher. And then if you have Mobius, you can still run your Kitty package as well, yeah. which is really high tempo, gives you more flexibility. It can really punch up in that kind of scenario. And yeah, 
I I feel like Mobius is coming in just a little under where I thought he would be, but it's still incredible. Like I thought the meta would actually be night and day different. There's still mm-hmm. some of the same decks that are running and thriving, and even some Loki decks that I've seen in pretty high levels of ranked um, that do okay. So I think that it's not like we completely turned into a new era. <laughs> I was ready to rip up the entire playbook. You don't have to rip up the entire playbook, but Mobius is putting himself in a very strong position right now. Yeah, and I, I, that's why I think it's I'm leaning more towards probably a must-buy to a certain extent, especially because yeah. it's only 3K, right? We're not saying yes. it's it's not like Silk coming out that's in, integral to a, a, an archetype as we know now, but is still a 6,000-token card, right? Exactly, um, and a more niche application as well for Silk, whereas Mobius just can be a nice-to-have in, in whatever. They had... Where where do we go back to? Spider-Ham as an S4 release. That was the lead-off hitter to incredible Series 4 releases like almost every month. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like they've been winners. We had that one month with Silver Samurai and stuff where they're all five. But outside of that, it's been... We've had several. Yeah. Wasn't it? I thought Samurai was four, though. <laughs> Samurai was five? They were all five. Okay, okay. That yep. Uh, that's, so, that's why we had that huge disconnect or miscommunication because yeah. they released the official like statement on it like for the announcement, and they're like, we have these these cards are Series 4. And they're like, actually, no, Samurai is Series 5. And then the this third update came out, and it's like, they're all Series 5. Our bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah. our, our so, bad. But Legion was incredible. Spider-Ham mm-hmm. was incredible. Mobius, incredible. One other one I'm trying to say was up there. Was Not that Ravona. kind of the run? It's something like that. The, the Series 4 are just very desirable to dive in on, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I th- and it's a good thing for the game. Um, now, the I lack think Mobius of- is a good thing. I'm curious if they're going to balance any energy cheats around him once we see, like, long-term effects. Maybe give some power back to, like, the old Sarah who started as a 5-5. Power back to Mr. Negative. Would be, he's desperate over here. He's like, I'm dying, man. Um, but, yeah, Mobius just as, like, a, a put it in there is great. Stealth mega nerf to spider ham <laughs> if you play mobius and the opponent hams you the car that got hammed is free if you guys don't know that interaction it's there which is so cut your spider hams honestly like you just or if you know that you're playing against mobius you can't play them yeah i mean it's a tough one because like on one hand the value of hitting a card with spider ham is still really nice especially if it's a key part of their hand that you're like this disrupts them completely yeah. Yes, you might be giving them like an O four or an O three or something like that, depending on what you hit. Um, right. But That's what I'm scared maybe of. Maybe you're running like the same way that Mobius and Wave feel like a package. Maybe now Spider Ham and uh, Shadow King are now a package, so you can just get that free pig down to zero. <laughs> the zero zero that gets played on. No. It could happen. It actually could happen because then they might be motivated. Well, they're probably motivated just to hang on to it and combo it at the end. I don't yeah. know. But then if you're playing Wave, they can't do that, so you could catch them out anyway. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're hitting Iron Man or Hawk, you're still golden. Yeah, there's some interesting repercussions to Mobius, I think, that are going to be going to get sussed out eventually here, but there's a lot of potential here. And yeah, like dropping him down with Wave on 5 is really powerful. Just playing Wave on Curve if you got Mobius down is also amazing because the opponent is throttled. And then you get to cheat out whatever you wanted to, and they're scrambling to catch up. Also, like 
Loki, the, the Mobius up against some of the location play is nuts. Like Elysium pops up and you play Mobius, the opponent does not get the discount. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really crazy. Um, then, of course, like the Dream Dimension stuff, right, where you you're, you don't have to worry about it. Like, I, that won me a game. Um, I had him down for Dream Dimension. My opponent did not have a Mobius out. And yeah. on five, I was able to arrow their single card into a lane to fill it completely. They went to go... So I had um, I had a Medusa mid on Bar Sinister. Nice. And they had a Cyclops set up, like a, uh, a Misty Knight and a Sunspot on the left lane. And like a bunch of my cards were hit down to nothing, but I had Shadow King in hand. So I arrowed their thing over to fill that lane. And then uh, in the end game, I Shadow Kinged left. Um, and it just... It was so super easy. Um, very, very. I love it. But yeah, so also, yeah, Iceman nerf. Uh, cut your Iceman. There's better stuff to run. Icebox doesn't hurt you. This is why, like, Mobius is like kind of. Luke Cage had some just plug and play viability, even if you don't have other synergies. Mm-hmm. So this is where, like, Mobius is starting to hit that same kind of territory. I was going to say one of. Oh, <laughs> this is Baramordo. But he's not playable anyway. So can we please he's just completely playable. change that card? We need to go back to the drawing board. He's somehow never been fun. We need to do that for quite a few cards. Like uh, mm. I think um, that sounds like a, a whole other episode that we could run. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot we'll of cards. We'll put that, that one in the mailbag. Yeah, we, we can look into uh, some, uh, like rather than just do the simple thing of like what should be buffed, what should be nerfed. Let's just come yeah. to the table with actual proposed reworks for some cards. Oh, I like this. So we do some prep, do a full rework presentation rather than just like spitballing on the on the fly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll silky like three to- three three cards or whatever something like yeah. that. Yeah, silky wave Eliath. That's kind of where my brain went immediately as well. Do you see something else? Maybe an idea with Mobius that you don't really think people are are jumping to, but could still be good. Um, I've seen and played it myself. Um, this uh, this power point slam type of deck that kind of wants to do what Silky Smooth does to an extent, but rather than focus on the the moving stuff, it's just good stats. It's so just like, tempo. You know, like, yeah, like uh, you play Lizard again. You play like even maybe Medusa. You play, of course, Silk and Spider-Man, which now you're starting to look like Cerebro 5 without Cerebro to an extent. Uh, but then you do like a the little better. Line. Yeah, it, and the, I've seen people even running Crossbones. I've ran Crossbones in it to give it a try. It's actually been fine, perfectly fine. Um, right, because you just want initiative because of how good that is for Eliath. Um, yeah. And you're squeezing in as much as you can with the the Mobius advantage and wave. Yep. Yeah, that's the idea. And it's been fine. I, I, uh, I played, I've played three runs for a gold run um, with this uh, point slam deck. And I got two infinity tickets with it. So, Heck yes. I mean... It, it seems fine to me. I'm sure it's not finely tuned by any stretch of the imagination. And then the other thing is I just think Mobius feels like that ultimate plug-and-play card as opposed to a build-around. Of, yeah. of course you can, by the way, um, to, to a certain extent, like this point slam, like this, whatever is trying to leverage priority, right? But for the most part, just if you can fit in him and wave in a deck where it makes sense curve-wise... I think you really want a good amount of one and two drops to be able to play alongside a big six drop finisher like a Doom, like an Eliath. 
And that's where, you know, I think this Point Slam or Silky Smooth deck is, I think, the best home for him because it sets up that curve uh, and that top end so efficiently where any other deck that tries to emulate that is just going to be doing a worse impression, I think, for the most part. No, oh, I'm just, I can't wait for, like, Martyr and then the... Um... The Elsa Bloodstone, you can use Martyr yep. to fill the location, and then she's going to move somewhere else with the plus nine. Oh, no. <laughs> There's some fun stuff that's around the corner that's just like up-tempo cards. Even like um, Gladiator, he slams. Yep. So there's some, there's some fun stuff out there to for sure to keep on fueling this archetype. So another question, Brad. Mm -hmm. The man wearing the crown, Loki. Don't play ring toss on the helmet. Does he live or die now? Is he is he I still think, there? I think he should still live. I don't think he's here. Okay, here's the thing: people complain about Loki, but really, Loki is one of those cards that I think has possibly the highest skill gap in the entire game, and it shines the most at the highest level of play. So in the hands yes. of I think I brought like this up Lambie. previously when we were with Michael that it was a deck that I always want to be good. Yes. It's like such a high skill ceiling deck. It's a good deck to be at the upper level of the meta. I think that's just healthy for the game. So I can give you a quick example. Um, so Smite, right? There is a god or goddess in this case named uh, the Morgan. The Morgan has an ultimate ability where she can copy and become the ultimate of any other god in the game. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Smite is basically League of Legends, except it's third third person as opposed to top-down view. So yep. the same idea of ultimate abilities. But essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea of her and what makes her good is you have to have extensive, extensive knowledge of all other gods in the game, right? Right. So her skill ceiling is incredibly high. But her floor is so low, which is why in pretty much every facet of, you know, ranked play, she is near the bottom of the list. But they're never going to change her because in the top end, in pro league and stuff like that, she's very good in select players' hands. Loki, oh, yeah. I think, fits that same niche where, yeah, you should you should reward players being really good with uh, other cards and things like that. Now, of course, this is nowhere near a one-to-one -one ratio to the example I gave because you're not getting cost reduction on your ultimate abilities or extra damage well, to them or something like that. Don't it's like you can do a different damage scaling build and then like in League of Legends yeah, it's a yeah, similar character that like Silas, you can pull these tank ultimates that have great ratios and you actually have the luxury to build full damage and then mm -hmm. use them to wipe the floor with the opposing. That's kind of what Loki's giving you. He's, he's, you're yeah, attacking no, I, for all the energy right. cheats, so you're playing their deck but a little bit faster, but you're getting a random selection. You have to know when the Loki, when you want to be able to just buff your hand size. And now mm -hmm. with Mobius, you're motivated to play Loki even earlier to be able to get around like Mobius resetting and just play like these bursts of the Loki cards and then just get into the other big hand size, big collector kind of gameplay. Yep. What's really interesting is like, but I feel like the natural answer to Mobius is Rogue and Loki running any control card is very uh, inconsistent in getting to play said control card. Uh, they want a Loki yes. and then it goes away. So I've been trying to run Shang-Chi and done okay with it. Um, but it's like, don't often get to play it. I think the stock for Rogue has increased temporarily in the same vein of when we saw uh, Haivo come out. 
and everyone was yeah. playing rogue to get the uh, like if you, if I don't draw my Mobius, my opponent probably will, and I can rogue their Mobius to get it. Same idea with the Luke Cage thing. Um, I had yeah, a, a string as soon as he released where I was running Rogue and I no one else was playing Mobius, but I hit Devil, Dino, Hawk, and Iron Man in consecutive games. So I'm like, maybe I should have just been playing Rogue all along. <laughs> yeah. I think Rogue is actually a little bit underrated, um, but she is very particular for what meta is good, right? You oh, need yeah. a decent amount of ongoing. So, of course, when you have... Same thing with Enchantress, right? Um but I think with the uh, introduction of um, the of Eliath encouraging like Eliath ramp strategies, for example, where they will be playing things like uh, Devil Dino as like that mid filler um, yeah. and stuff like that, then maybe she's a bit better now. Um, and then of course Devil Dino usually has a home in the Loki decks as well. So I mean, it is shocking how often you can get like the the rogue edit for the deck. It'll play largely the same even if you don't see her at all. Yep. <laughs> Brad, do I need to watch the rogue edit of Days of Future Past? No. Okay. <laughs> Real honestly, uh for anyone listening and or watching, you don't need to watch any of the X-Men movies ever oh, in your life. Wow. Logan is None? the one exception. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Not, that's... But that's not an X-Men movie. Fuck you sure. if, if you think it is. I'm sorry. No, well, come on, it's not going to hit. It's not going to have nearly the emotional high if you haven't been with Wolverine and Prof X for the whole journey, though. Yes, but, I mean, I've I've met people who have only watched that movie, and, like, they've still gotten a decent they emotional high from it. Yeah, like, okay. of course okay. it's heightened. Context is everything, right? Context adds so much to everyone's experience. When you're able uh, to be careful, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, me and the me and the wife have yet to see it. We've watched everything else to, up to this point. Well, you haven't seen Logan? No. Oh, the, we just good. watched uh, Dark Phoenix, and now we're going to go into Logan. And look, I, nothing against the X Men movies. They feel to me in the similar vein as like the Fantastic Four movies, where I'm just like, I think they're fun to watch. I don't think they're particularly good, but they're yeah. fun to watch, and they don't. Like my life hasn't has nothing added nor taken away if you yeah. introduce or take them away from me. Like that's yeah. it's it's how I feel about those. There's very few films and even me as like a quote unquote pretentious film snob who has a degree in cinematography and stuff like that. Um there I am not one of those people to be like, You need to see this movie. Look, there are great films. Like I love Lawrence of Arabia, for example. That is my most pretentious film answer I can possibly give you is I love Lawrence of Arabia. That is a three and a half hour movie in the 60s where most films were just like, they're going to talk a lot. If you don't like that, I don't blame you. I think it's one of the best films ever made. I still have to watch that one, actually. I've wanted to for a long time. Yeah, Citizen Kane is another one people will say. Um, I, I think... If if someone tells you to watch certain movies and they name off the very cliche ones like Clockwork Orange, um, uh, mm. Pulp Fiction, that's usually like the ones I see people name the most as far as like pretentious film bros. Just you don't what, need those people what, in your life. What kind of pretentious film bros are you going around with that are recommended Pulp Fiction? <laughs> that will well, be the insane. ones that actually aren't real film bros if they're saying like Pulp Fiction because like Pulp Fiction is okay. great. I love Pulp Fiction, but like yeah. to be like, this is the film you need to see. Like, 
Okay. Or okay, okay, if someone's unironically saying you need to watch Citizen Kang or Casablanca, um, and they're that that to me, I assume they're being pretentious. I really mm. do because gotcha. again, phenomenal films. I've had to study these films for countless amounts of hours. So I have an unfathomably deep appreciation for these films and what they mean to the industry and the work that I've done. But if you're I, unironically saying Citizen Kang, you need you need to watch this movie, like I, I I can't take you seriously as a person because most people it doesn't click. It really doesn't because you ha- yeah. it's like it's like sports. Teddy, do you like baseball? Nope, it's boring. Yeah, do you know why it's boring? Because it's hard to have a, a appreciation for it. Did you play it in high school? Did you play it organized at all? Only in little league. I okay. played outfield. Throw grass so beers like, at my neighbor. Even then, as a player, it's boring. I played. I played in high school. I played baseball, and I love baseball. I love the sport, but it's so boring for ninety percent of people, and even for the people that play. Well, for ninety percent of the time, watching it, you just watch when they when they finally make plays, when they finally get a hit. That's when you get. Well, the, that's because the there's the spike. intricacy of like a, a pitching, like the pitching battle, something like that between the the the, the batter and the pitcher. Understanding yeah. what the arsenal is that the pitchers bring to the table, what the situation is, and the context of the uh, of the bat, um, like like for the uh, like what, what inning is it? What's the score? Um, who's up to bat? What are the uh, statistics behind it? Maybe this batter is very good at a low and away curveball uh, in a three one count, but in a three two count full count, they're suddenly they're. Uh, batting average plummets on the same exact pitch, which is very interesting to me. So once you have a little bit of appreciation of an, of that insight of like what it takes between a pitcher versus a batter, and again, there's that little game within a game, that adds another layer to it, it makes it less boring. But I don't blame anyone for not having the time or the wherewithal to even understand that that's going on from the average. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'll bring you back in here with a with another patriotic but snap related question. Should people be picking up this Patriot deck? Can't we just rock like a Mobius wave kind of Patriot smash? You get to run Doom, and Patriot well, already is kind of on the bubble of what was what was meta. It feels like well, he was not running energy cheats, which is one thing that's immediately drawing to him. You can do fine if Mobius is played against you. Yeah. I'm trying to think, because like I feel like if you go into the route of a Patriot deck with Mobius and Wave, I do think it's really hard to justify running the traditional one we've seen as of late, the Brood, Forge, um, Iron Lad kind of thing with like Absman, because I think by adding, I, I think your hits are really weird now. Um, for like, and you have to remember, you're trying to envision that curve, right? Of what what does the game look like for a Patriot deck, and being able to play a six drop at four and a one or two drop, right, on turn six. And as it stands right now, based on the right. current build of Brutus and stuff like that, that doesn't seem like a very clear cut curve to me. So I do think you need to change some things and move away from that particular style of Patriot and maybe something more to the traditional uh, Ultron and like maybe you're even running something like Shocker again, like just as a, a pure, you know, Patriot card. Um, but is that good? Is that better? And and then the other side of it is if you are doing the Brood Asma thing, are you handicapping yourself to a certain extent by trying to force what is i think a good package but maybe not for this deck yeah it, yeah it might come out a little bit as a wash you do get the mobius wave attack up against the opponent how many more points are you going to be able to generate 
I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Iron Lad plays very happily in that deck with great hits all across the board. Yeah. And if you're gonna pick up Wave off the Lad or even Mobius off the Lad, you're also you're like still gonna be happy is one of my considerations. But yeah, it was curving pretty smoothly into a six drop or like whatever the final turn was gonna be, and then not necessarily getting that much more off a combo. Like you're not trying to run Kitty and stacking her, you're not like the silky move that's going to have uh, Miles, which the interaction with Miles and Mobius, I think, should be changed. Has it been clarified of like if it's intended? What the fact that he goes back to a four if your opponent has Mobius? No, no, no. That if you play Mobius and you move a card, so like I play Mobius on two and a card moves on two, Miles is in hand. He's a one. Nothing moves for the rest of the game. He's always a one. Oh, okay. So yeah, what Mobius does, it checks to see. Um, whatever the current cost is. And then because technically Miles lowered and Mobius says cost cannot be increased, it can't go back to default because it can't increase. Okay, now explain why She-Hulk does go up. I think because for some reason... Maybe She-Hulk, in the way that the wording is on the card, they consider her to be a blanket set where, for some reason, Miles is coded as being an increase and decrease. Where She-Hulk I think it actually... So, I think you're onto it. That's my best understanding. Miles is... um, If a card moved last turn, this costs one, whatever that translates Mm -hmm. to in the game logic. And then She-Hulk, I believe... This costs one less for each unspent energy last turn. So it seems like She-Hulk is giving herself a discount. Yeah, and like I don't think the she, removal, she's not setting. Like, she's like giving yeah. herself a, like a builder on Sarah, if you think about it that way, right? Where it's yeah, so like Mobius, Mobius will allow the removal of a discount, if that mm. makes sense. Like if I had Sarah and Mobius and then Sarah was destroyed or disabled, my cards would go back. Mobius mm-hmm. is not going to hold them at the discount. And but then Miles is like if you click on the card equals one, yes. right? Rather Which than is why there's the Killmonger bug before, right? With him in stature because they yes. set themselves to one as opposed to decreasing to one. Yeah, I think that's the that's the it's a very strange thing that I guess could use a bit better templating for clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Similarly to like the Snow Guard. Um, like end of game, end of turn thing, which like I understand why it works with Limbo and not with the other locations that you think it would, like right. borrowed no name. Um, because yeah. Limbo, when the game ends, checks and it's like, is there a turn seven? No, because Limbo's off. So when Limbo comes back online, the game end has already occurred. So game ends. Whereas when everything else comes back online, they're back online and the points matter again for those whatever locations. Again, yeah, weird. Exactly. This is where I wish we had a game log. Or I think some of these questions and like frustrations would just be uh, alleviated if the player at the end of like that weird thing, they were like, why did that happen to me? They could click the game log and then they're like, oh, it checks yes. Limbo. Limbo's not there. It ends the game and then it will never check again for Limbo to restart the game. Which I guarantee you, I, I don't know how like, how much you've seen as far as like like the behind the scenes of like video games in terms of like the coding and the internal like yeah. workings of stuff. A lot of them just have a game log built in in the background that is checking those things and essentially running your code and is yeah. translated so you can visually see what's going on. So I would say Marvel Snap probably has one, if not like maybe loosely kind of like untranslated for the average person. 
I yeah, feel yeah. like it wouldn't take that much work to just take that, bring it to the forefront and clean up the language of it a bit for, you know, the, the player base. Yeah, just put a user interface on that. Let it be rough. They seem to be okay with releasing stuff that still they're going to iterate on. So just like put it out yeah. there, man. Just just let me, let, dude, I'm so tired of like looking away, like especially in Conquest. Like I will, uh... you know, I'll hit and like for next game, right? And a battle ready, right? And I'll look away doing something while I'm waiting for my opponent to ready up. And I turn yeah. back and I just see the, the first location is revealed already. And it was Sokovia. And I'm like, well, I don't, and, and my opponent snaps. And I'm like, I'm just going to leave because I, I guess I clearly discarded something really good. Yeah, or they got an apocalypse discarded, what have you. Yeah, I don't I, know. Because I, I, it's like, I wish I could click on their hand. Like, when I click on them, I go to hand. I should click on it. Anything that's been revealed to me so far in the hand, I and it's still there, like an APOC, yep. I should be able to click and see what's been revealed. Thank you. Just show me, like, four card backs because and one flipped card. Like the APOC will not show in the discard pile either because he was discarded for some purposes but he's not in the discard pile and yeah uh, uh, all right we're, we're rambling do we have anything else to hit on on mobius we think he's great we highly recommend him he seems to be a viable in a plethora silky Elias, definitely the forerunner are you just gonna pass the loki crown to silky Elias's head um I don't think it's going to be that simple. I, I think Loki okay. is still going to be a very good deck for players yeah. that are still with it. I think something as simple as Darkhawk decks are still going to be very good. Um, I think the meta is frankly I, really more wide open than people give credit for. I think the fact I do that agree. I think Mobius has brought us back to the good card decks just being good again. Because mm -hmm. it used to be that Loki would beat the good card decks so hard they couldn't exist anymore right that's the loki dream is playing a good card deck everything he takes is just good and cheaper and he rolls them but now mobius says you don't get the discount and i'm popping off my combos so i can just play good cards into into loki and still feel okay as long as i'm finding mobius yeah mobius is great definitely get him um we'll have to see how the meta shakes up especially because we have a new ota to take a look at as far as some changes to the know, devs are not tiptoeing now they are heavy-handed let's hit it all right so let's start with the elephant in the room or i guess the world eater in the room and that is galactus and i already know that for those of you who are you know who like playing galactus are probably gonna be really upset about this i am so sorry yeah. but galactus was a six seven unreveal if you're winning this location and this is your only card here destroy all other locations he still has that wonderful bit of text but he's now a six five they go on to say that we expected alive to find a fast home of galactus decks which was not a problem in of in in and of itself and they shouldn't hit exciting cards yada 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 and then the metric yeah. spikes that they've seen have been solely with galactus decks and they've seen the wind delta for alive be outside of their comfortable range exclusively in Galactus decks, where every other deck Goliath has played in, he is in an appropriate, healthy spot to their standards. So they felt the common denominator in this case was Galactus. So they're tuning that knob that they promised that they would. They said this when they originally changed him to a 6-7 with this whole new rework. They said, this is a knob because of the way that we designed this now to be able to tune back and forth. And they're choosing to go back to a, or down to a 6-5 and see what happens from there. So... I I don't really agree with this change. Brad, were you seeing a lot of Galactus? He had a blip right around Eliath's release. 
mm-hmm. Elias' release. And then I think the the blip from my meta pocket truly faded. And it was just more Loki, more Silky move. And if I saw, like, I would start seeing all the hallmarks of Galactus and I'd get all uptight. But it was almost like 90% of the time, it was just ramp. Yeah. So, it, it, these kind of questions are really tough for me uh, to to be able to answer because I don't know if it benefits. My reasoning for that is, to answer your question first and foremost, it, it's it's been like every, you know, maybe five to ten games, somewhere in there, I would see a Galactus deck. So, not a whole lot, but I'd see it, okay. right? Every but five games does sound like a lot. My my issue with saying that is that's purely anecdotal right yeah it's, it's our own meta pocket we play i mean i see a lot of the same names as whatever these players want to hit me with really and when it comes to anecdotal uh evidence which is pretty much all snap players can offer i would argue that even the and i've, I've said this before and i'm gonna say it again everyone that loves these tier lists these trackers untapped snap.fan whomever you have to understand the data you see on those trackers as far as i'm concerned is also anecdotal because do you know how many and i i i did a huge deep dive and i looked all around for this like these answers this is back in april by the way the estimated play total um back in April f- for mobile players, not counting PC, which averages the last few months around seven, seven to 10,000 players a month actively on yep. Steam. Yep. Mobile, back in April, not even now, April. So this is before like uh, the GamesCon stuff and like the big, the, the big uh, Twitch uh, drops thing. This, the game had 16 and a half million downloads and an estimated... 8 million active players in April. Yeah, it's a big game. I got a comment from somebody that was like, there's only 6,000 people playing this game on the daily. How is my rank and 50K? And he got a response pretty quick. It was like, my brother, you're looking at Steam, and it's a mobile first. (laughs) So those are the numbers back in April. And I was generous in my in my math, so this is actually lowballing it on my end. So I said, let's bump up the average on Steam to ten thousand. Okay, let's make it even ten thousand instead of seven thousand, right? And let's take down those active users from eight to one million. Let's say there's one million consistent players in the game. Okay. Do you know what percentage the trackers make up for that player base? And that's assuming. 100% of these 10,000 average players on Steam are all using trackers. Okay? Right, right. So I'm it's really like tipping the scales. The, it's the 1%. One, yeah, it's 1%. 1 or less percent. So it, it, it's a small sample you, size. I guarantee you it's lower than that. It might be even a half percent. Yeah. And uh, like, in realistically, of like the tracker data versus the full scope of data, which guess what? Second dinner has it. And whenever Glenn Fair, says but... this is what they feel about this metric and this data and you don't agree with it because it's not what Untap says, I'm sorry, you're looking at half of a percent of data compared to Glenn's 100% of data for any uh, metric they want to look up in particular. So I, I will follow up my comment of not liking the change that 
I think Galactus is the opposite of Loki. I think Loki is good to always be towards the top of the meta. Now, I think that he was pushed. Mm-hmm. I think he got it was good to take him down a peg. I think Galactus is bad <laughs> to have at the top of the very top <laughs> oh, of the I meta. Agree. I think that his metric should actually be lower than a lot of other cards. And so mm-hmm. that could be what's really feeding this. And they're seeing like so much. I mean, there's so much negative press whenever Galactus is slamming people, right? Oh, and you know what's so. really stupid is I think there's going to be negative press against Eliath and people thinking that Galactus is dying for Eliath's sins. And I'm like, didn't you all hate Galactus for the last like year? What's going on? We'll see. Um, Eliath is quickly generating a fan club. Like he's, I uh, love Eliath. I think he's great. I think he's balanced. Yeah. I think he's very well designed. Um, I think I made a tweet recently well, but- today uh, saying the I think the biggest reason that players have a huge dislike to Eliath is because for the first time in months, we have a card that really incentivizes playing with priority for the majority of the game and not dodging it until the last turn to just have a huge right drop. it's it's a hundred percent a mindset fl- mindset flip it is also where I think more six cost cards should be you're looking at a six cost card that's worthy of a six cost billing um whereas a lot of the other ones aren't there so that's why he to some extent he feels pushed just because they needed to work on the other guys, whereas I think that Eliath is a good baseline. And we tangented on this uh, on the last episode as well. So I'm, I'm happy with this. I'm happy with the Eliath where he's at. I, I'm i a little shaky on, on why Galactus is getting hit because I was seeing less and less of him personally, but if his stats are out of, out of whack in other areas, hopefully you yeah. guys get relief. We'll, we'll have a, a season back on the uh, the Galactus we have another just minus two base stat change, but on Kitty Pride, she has gone through quite the gambit. Now a one zero, still only gaining plus one power per turn. Wow, this so they they do essentially say that they they say this change is a little preemptive as we expect Kitty would be too strong in October without it. So oh, essentially, Brad, what without- happens in October? Yeah, without naming her, it's Elsa Bloodstone that they're worried about. And I can tell what you that they're interesting. Elsa Bloodstone is a 2-2 that says anytime uh, you play a card that fills a lane, it gets plus three power. So if you're able to go Angela into Bloodstone plus a one, like plus Kitty, and then something plus Kitty, and over and over again, Kitty, 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 fill, 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 plus three Kitty, plus three Kitty, plus three Kitty, plus yeah, three Kitty. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure Kitty is 100% the best deck in the game. Yeah. And that that's that is a scary stat line. Uh, Honestly, sure, Kitty could still be the best deck in the game once we get Elsa. We don't we don't know. I, I think so. Um, I, I think so. I think she'll become a contender. A, having a card that's able to do what Deadpool wants to do, but in a more efficient, controllable manner that can dodge priority, um, uh, I think is very impactful. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But for now, I have no issue with this change. I'm frankly have always been shocked that she wasn't uh that off rip um once we saw elsa um and that was in the pipeline and stuff like that but it's better late than never you know i mean yeah it's it's only a week away so i guess it's not that much earlier than if they just launched it in a a micro patch alongside elsa so it it makes sense to me we don't have very long to live with this without elsa right yeah it is interesting because still very good with angela like even as a one zero Yes, you're losing a bit power on her herself, of course, 
but that package with Angela to consistently slam down the extra one, two points, uh, technically three points every turn with uh, her coming back to hand, um, as well as just being a way to just keep a nebula at bay for the entire game and things like that. She still is a fantastic place. And they do say Kitty was an integral player in the metagame's best deck at least four different times. And each of those decks was meaningfully distinct from the rest. And they said that's a pretty rare feat and speaks to her raw strength. I don't think that raw strength is going anywhere. She's still a very good card that can be played in as many decks as you want, especially with packages like Angela and being able to keep things like Nebula at bay. I like it opening up space for other one costs. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, alongside Angela, like if you want to cut her, you can. You can just run the Nightcrawler instead, honestly. Buff the Angela and then move yep. somewhere else. Like that's that's fine. You get the points to stick to the board. You just have to look at continuing with other plays to be able to generate powers. So, I'm I'm gonna be curious if she gets any power back ever, or if like this is kind of gonna marry her to Elsa. I don't know. We'll see. I. We'll see where this goes, but a little break from Kitty is is fine. I have loved her ever since, ever since her buggy release. I was telling people buy her with the bugs at six thousand, and then she came out free, which was amazing. Yep. Uh, so I we had our time with her, and yeah, having a break is always nice. Keep on churning the pot, and another churning change is the Psylocke going from two one to two two. I think this is fine. Yeah. She was one of the less utilized energy cheats. Um, and she had, she had her time in the sun, like with um, yes, we with saw like Thanos, Thanos uh, ongoing a bit, yeah, because you had two ways to go into a turn four Professor X by going turn three either Time Stone or turn uh, three Psylocke, and I kind of really like that still. Um, and this kind yes. of maybe can bring that back to some extent. I, I'd love to because that, that flexibility of being able to you know ramp whenever you want. Um, as opposed, at least starting from two, right? As opposed to saying, all right, you're playing Zabu. That means you have to ramp immediately, like for yeah, three yeah. or whatever on a specific curve. Yeah. So two things. One is that she is great with Mobius entering the game. Her stock has risen because her cheat is not a discount. It's just giving you more max. So yes. that lets you play around and against Mobius even better than before. Two, can we please get a reverse Psylocke? When I play it, the enemy gets minus one next turn. Brad, pick your stat line. That's the effect. The opponent gets minus one energy next turn. What's your stat line? Hmm. I feel like it's tough. Could it live as just another 2-2? I feel like it could. Now, it hurts a lot going into the final turn, admittedly, but... They played a very low tempo play to get there. I don't know. I think I think it could be just a two two. Yeah, it's either it's either a two or a three. I could see the argument yeah. for three and Would maybe it be like a, a three bit better four? power, like a three three or three four almost, because yeah. you don't want it to be as easily abusable in the later turns to really disrupt those last few turns against certain decks. Right. Um, it could also could come to two. be a bit of like a thematic look of what character it gets yeah. on how chunky you want them to be. But we've seen with Shadow King, that means nothing. Fair. Started as a four, he's gone to a three, now he's a two. He's skinny now, he's, he's dropped it's, some pounds. It's true, the control cards keep on getting cheaper. Well, Lyoth got expensive, but yeah, Shadow well, King, got had to, he had to be dropped way down to get played. But he was both sides. This um, What I'm proposing is just one-sided. 
I think that's good design, though. Um, one of my biggest complaints about uh, Pioneer and Magic is a format that I love to play. And a common complaint, and even Modern has actually delved into, into this, is you might have heard this in other CCGs or TCGs or whatever, that the threats are better than the answers, right? So right. when you have the ability to just slam down good cards and it's really hard for other players to keep up because the answers to these threats are kind of two for one yourself to an extent, as opposed to keeping it on an even playing field that makes for feels bads and less interesting gameplay. I think if you have better answers than threats for the most part, um, or at least pull it in an even capacity, which I think snap has done a phenomenal job with as of late with things like shadow Kings changes, of course, Shang-Chi being a huge player enchantress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's good for the game. I want there to be good, efficient answers to stuff rather than saying, wow, the threats are out of control. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. So we're happy with Psylocke. We want to see a reverse Psylocke come to the game. Yeah. And I'm very happy with this Squirrel Girl change. It's They're on a winning streak of changing unplayable cards before, like, either they appear in a cache or we get mm. a killer uh, variant. So we have the very first time that you're going to get customized tokens for a card of your variant. We get Zombie Squirrel Girl with Zombie Squirrels coming out and now Squirrel Girl going from 1-1 to 1-2. This is quite fun. They're really trying to make Zoo a thing. And, like, right now we have... I've never seen this Agatha Zoo win. I've seen people trying with the Shanna She-Devil Zoo as well, and it's not doing it for me. But Elsa Bloodstone playing into a field, where a short field, right? This is like, um, I'm trying to think of the smoothest football analogy, but this is short field position for Elsa coming in with squirrels, taking up all these board positions. I think that could be really good. They actually call out, <laughs> she's been acting spooky since this change. The, you know, I think that there is synergy here with Elsa, and then obviously it's a little bit of a pun rolling into October. Yeah, I don't think this changes too much even with Elsa. I think ultimately Elsa is going to be better in a kitty deck, which ultimately could go on a zoo deck for being a one-drop, of course. Um, but I think the best home would be something like Sharity or uh, something like a, uh, maybe not like a, not a bounce necessarily, but something that's like a Sarah controller that plays like Mysterio and wants to leverage that. Because yeah. you can do some nutty things with Mysterio and everything. Um, but for now, I think this is a fantastic change moving forward, especially for earlier uh, players. Um, her being a 1-1 was always a little bit odd to me because you get three I mean, yes it's three man. power for one energy but so easy to combat with things like killmonger especially in those yeah. early days of uh, pool two for players with with elsa is bounce like fully back if you can it's like beast say. and then falcon something and generate all this extra pump like i think bounce be, is particularly crazy. decent right now which and a lot of you are going to be playing because it's not the sexy thing right now because of course people love taking cards and throwing them to the side and let them collect dust because of a nerf. Um, and that happened with things like uh, Hitmonkey. So people aren't going to really be inclined to play Bounce. But I've been playing it a bit recently, and it's not that bad. Um, Hitmonkey yeah. feels worse, of course, uh, in the end game because you 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 really want to leverage your beast to discounts and stuff like that. But sometimes you can just identify... I, I tried a mishmash, right? I tried a mishmash of... Um, I was doing collector stuff, 
uh, with bounce, but I was also running Loki as a way to like, all right, yeah. is this that way I like buy three, I can kind of envision how my hand's going, especially with like Bast and stuff. And I'm like, okay, is this a game where I'm committing to the bounce thing and getting a good hit monkey going? Can I get good leverage on this beast and stuff like that? Or am I pivoting and loking to try and value this collector a bit more and then just play better consistent stats as opposed to pigeonhole myself? Right, um, and that deck wins in the Loki mirror against the, the full hand size Loki normally, right? Yeah, it felt pretty good. Um, yeah. But I mean, the deck's the deck's good. Um, I think it's gonna get better with with Elsa. Um, and speaking of Loki, we have another change to the Big beloved, one. yeah, Snowguard. Snowguard was recently reworked to make it so that she adds the Hawk and Bear to your hand, both of them being respectively two threes in their own right. The Hawk has been changed to a three three, and the Bear has been changed to a three four. Uh, they wow. clearly state that the bear is the lesser played one of the two, um, usually played often as just a stats card if you have a window in which you can, rather than actually making use of the locations, which I think is mostly people not seeing the vision. You want to know what I did? Uh, I, no, I, I, don't, don't, don't rag on our beautiful community here. There's so often no locations that help. You just got to play something so you play him for the stats because you don't have other things. Like True. having him be a little bit punchier, I like bringing it and bringing Hawk up to 3 makes total sense to me. Like this is what Scarlet Witch wishes wishes what Scarlet Witch wishes she was. <laughs> like the ability to yeah. to cut it on on play when the opponent's not able to react, be able to surprise Vamp Limbo away and then still have the effect persist into the next turn is so interesting and powerful. I I love it. I love this card because the opponent knows it's a possibility, but then you can still do some surprises when you play it out. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, and and they, uh, they go on to say something that I thought was very interesting, that they say, this change is the first of a larger series of adjustments you'll see go live in next week's patch as we shift the cost and power of several small cards that add cards to your hand to get a more diverse spread of enticing options for different goals and playstyles. So What the heck? Brad, what so the pool of cards is pretty small. We can theorycraft about a bunch of this because they're specifically calling out cards that add cards to your hand, and yeah. they're also talking about small cards. So I, it's like Agent 13, Maria Hill. Yep. Is Coulson still a small card? I could consider three and less smaller to a certain extent. Sure. Right. All right. Yeah. Nick Fury at four or five, probably not. I mean, he already got brought that. He was unplayable as a five. Yeah, I can't I imagine he, him going back to five. He stays at a four, I would imagine. Right? Yeah. Now, if Coulson's a small card, Loki is a small card. He adds cards to your hand. Yeah, I could see Loki getting a a, a tick off of his power to a three four, like his original data mine suggested he would be, and I think he'd yeah. still be a phenomenal card. Um, and I think honestly, even though I think Loki for the most part is fine, albeit somewhat pushed, of course, um, I think that's a very nice uh, olive branch to the community, saying, "Here you go. Here's a little nugget of uh, a little bit of a nerf that you've wanted." Um, what if he not, goes up to four cost? Does that murder him? I think it really disrupts the flow of that deck and okay. completely removes you know plays like uh, you know 
Coulson into Loki on the last turn to uh, leverage your collector and stuff like that. I think really what he needs the most, if anything, is a little bit off of his power as opposed to a change in his cost. I think his cost at three is probably perfect. I think it's very well designed in that 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 instance because it does give you leverage of do you hold on to him to make for a bigger play for a collector or yeah. do you leverage him earlier to try to you know hedge your bets against a certain deck that you're not, you know you're going against Mobius. i think that's good <laughs> yeah it is super interesting and i think because already loki's biggest enemy well one is playing him when you shouldn't have and only getting junk but two is board space and so if he is not representing as much of a punch-up, your board space pinch becomes even greater, and I think that's a more healthy spot for the, the deck to be in, that they're really at war with getting <coughs> enough spaces to play to, and Loki at a 3-3 rather than a 3-5. It also takes a lot off the high roll of the mirror when Loki creates a Loki. Playing two 3-5s is a great location. Playing two 3-3s is a losing location. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, maybe and please, Maria Egypt. Hill, be playable. She's adorable, yeah. but has never found a, a real option. Well, also, Mirage. If, if shout she... out Mirage. Mirage should be considered here. Oh, Mirage would be a good one. Cable as well. Do you well. think that Cable? Okay, thank you. Cable has been needing a buff for a very long time, and honestly, White Queen has been edged out. Moving her somewhere or just giving her something could be nice as well. I don't know. I think uh, did we miss anyone else? A little bit underrated because she's one of the last few remaining four sixes. Um, it's just sure. I think it's really hard to figure out where. I, I don't think it's a lack of her. It'd power. be nice if she was a four seven. Well, I mean, of course it'd be nice if she was a four seven, but would that be too good? Um, nah, she'd be fine. The, I think she'd be just a blanket, really good card at that point. But I don't know. It's uh, amen. I don't, she is. I don't think it's a lack of her be being great. good in a vacuum. I think it's contextually where it's like, where do you put her in the decks that she wants to be in? You just would rather leverage the smaller cards, like a Mirage, like a Loki, things like that. Uh, Does Moon Girl enter this conversation at all? Potentially. She has a four cost. Yeah. She's not in the what they've called out of small cards. But if she's getting shifted. Or other cards are getting shifted around Didn't her. she used to be a two cost? She used to be cost? a three cost. She was a three three, brought up to four four. Devil was Dinosaur was brought up with her from a three zero to a four zero, and then has gone through yet another iteration of changes while Moon Girl stayed the same. Moon Girl's getting Does a Master little bit of play Mold with Loki. This bill? It doesn't add Did to what? your hand, adds to your opponent's hand, but Master Mold sounds like an interesting opportunity here uh, yes finally make it a two three it should have always been the symmetry i still think well if it's a patch this gives a chance to do what i've been asking for make keep him as a two two that's fine but for every sentinel your opponent has he gets plus one. Oh, i was gonna say he spawns one every turn yeah i feel like that's a little bit too good um, what if he doesn't start one when what if he doesn't spawn one when he's played but then he only he spawns one every turn uh, then you're going from two into their hand to potentially four. Um, yeah, if played on curve, but worse later in the game. Yeah, I I think I'd rather okay. see him benefit from because flavor wise, it makes sense. No, I, he's master yeah. mode, right? I always wanted rock slide to get bigger per rock that the opponent played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it'd be nice. 
All right. I think this is a fine OTA. I think it's a very interesting one as we see what's going to happen with this patch. I'm incredibly interested yeah. in the patch. Um, yes. More so than I have been in a while. Because uh, there are so many different directions they can go with it. And I, I, I have no idea what they're going to be doing here. And that's not, not even just, just this little bit. It's like entirely. Yep. Like, do they make changes to Loki? Do they? Because they can do OTA style small tweaks in patches. They've done it before. They've even made right. jokes of it, saying that this isn't an OTA, but here we are doing this little power. Timing wise, it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also very excited for Elsa Bloodstone. So. Yep. And whatever kind of revamp they want to like, I think they've got a lot of feedback on how they could potentially improve the ranked leaderboard. Game's in a really interesting spot with uh, fun stuff all over the horizon. Yeah, I agree. And I can't wait to talk about it next week when we get over to the uh, to the patch. But of course, Teddy, real quick, where can people find you? Where can they get more of your wonderful face and wonderful takes? Find me at Teddy Ninja on YouTube, streaming at Teddy Ninja 15. Still hitting our rhythm with a new job we've started up for what the streaming schedule is going to look like. But uh, if you drop the follows, get in on the, the Discord, be able to see when we're up. And uh, we'll love to see you guys out there. All right, you can find me at Bradzifer across the board on literally everything on Twitter, X, whatever, uh, YouTube, all that good stuff. And you can find me over on the other. Marvel Snap related podcast, Snap on Ego over with Bootman, Chris Boutte, and newly on ccghub.gg, new website being launched. That is uh, where you can find my new home for articles and more. So you'll be able to hear what's going on with that. So can't wait to show you guys more for that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed and we hope you join us for next one. Bye bye. Don't stop snapping. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast hosted and produced by Bradsifer and Teddy Ninja, originally created by Michael Thurman.